Remember that 80s shampoo commercial, Don't Hate Me Because I'm Beautiful? Well, California is beautiful, and it's big, and it's going economic gangbusters, the fifth largest economy in the world now, hardly the out-of-control failing state that President Trump has called it. Brown's done a very poor job running California. They have the highest taxes in the United States. Uh, The place is totally out of control. But part of the reason it's beautiful is that with the long-ago blessing of the federal government, the state took serious measures to clear away the gross, choking smog that messed up our beauty, not to mention our lungs. That began more than 50 years ago. Today, the EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt wants to undo recent fuel emissions and fuel economy rules for California and the 17 other states that share them. And he's even talking about ending those half-century-old exemptions that let California smack the smog. So California and those other states are suing to keep those rules because our cars and our planes and trucks and boats are now the number one greenhouse gas polluters, not just here, but in every state in the United States. In the meantime, Mary Nichols, who heads California's Air Resources Board, clears away any confusion about how and why these rules matter so much. What is at stake here in this fight between California and the current head of the EPA? Well, I don't think it's exaggerating to say that California's future is at stake here because we have put all of our efforts into cleaning up air pollution to the point where even though our air isn't as good as we would like it to be in cities, we have cut down the days and the levels of smog to such a point that many people don't even realize what it was once like, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s when you couldn't ever see the mountains and when we had emergency levels of air pollution. If they win on their effort to take away our ability to set more stringent vehicle standards, we lose the core of our whole program because our smog problem, our public health problem, is directly related to our transportation system. So really, from what you're saying, it sounds like what's at stake is just the livability, the quality of life and quality of health in California. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think most people realize that we are a state that pioneered in all kinds of new technologies, but we're at the center of a kind of a car culture, which is based on beautiful and attractive and also very clean vehicles. (laughs) And without those clean vehicles, this place could well become unlivable. So not only would you be stuck in traffic, but you'd be getting fumigated at the same time. The first part of this has to do with a set of Obama-era regulations regarding increased fuel efficiency and cleaner emissions. And I'm puzzled because the auto industry agreed to that. And now the auto industry seems to be saying to the Trump administration, we don't want this. Can you fix it so it's what it was before? They tend to talk through their trade association. But what they are saying is, yes, we agreed to this deal back in 2012, but that was then and this is now. And we're selling so many more big SUVs and trucks right now, and that's where we make our money. So just please leave us alone. They will say in the second paragraph, of course, we still want to meet the goals 
we just need more time or we need a little extra relief. Unfortunately, that message didn't necessarily get through to Scott Pruitt, and his interpretation of this is we should get rid of this whole deal. Are there two different kinds of cars sold in the United States when it comes to emissions and gas efficiency? No, that really is a misconception, which I think has been spread, frankly, by people who want to bring the whole program down. We have about half of all of the zero emission plug-in vehicles in the country riding around here in California. And we get the cleaner cars first because our customers demand them. But the car companies are only making one version of all of their models. Once upon a time, there used to be separate uh, standards. That hasn't been true for a decade now, or if not more. They build cars for the California market, and they sell them everywhere, and people are very happy buying them. They don't call them California cars. They're just cars. The first battleground in this is the Obama-era standards, but in a larger sense, this could be a slippery slope to go back to the 1960s when California started making its own rules about emissions, and a waiver was granted eventually by the federal government, by the Environmental Protection Agency, that said, yes, California, you can set your own standards because you have your own particular needs. Unequivocally, the waiver, you know, I understand that, that California's role in this process, but California is not, you know, the arbiter of these issues. The EPA, the DOT, and others make those decisions. California uh, contributes as well. They regulate DHG, uh, these, these at the state level, but that, that shouldn't and can't dictate to the rest of the country what these levels are going to be. The ability of California to set its own standards as long as we can demonstrate that they are technologically feasible and meet our environmental needs, which we have done over 100 times now with the U.S. EPA, that right of California's comes from the Clean Air Act, from the very first federal Clean Air Act going back to, uh, to 1970. And, you know, it was fought for by Governor Ronald Reagan, was a major advocate for California having that specific provision carved out in the Clean Air Act. But what's happening now is that the threat, and it is only a threat, is to go back to Congress and get that provision taken out of the Clean Air Act. I think we could probably succeed in preventing that from happening, but there's no certainty. It would take all of our efforts and all of the other states that have followed California's standards or that just believe that states should be able to have this right joining with us. And frankly, I just assume not have to have that battle if we don't have to. Under Javier Becerra, the Attorney General, California and 17 other states are suing to block the EPA, Scott Pruitt. And we're joined with our Attorney General in a number of those lawsuits because we see that the current administration is looking at wherever they can roll back existing standards And then the next step would be, if they don't succeed in the courts, then I believe we'll try with Congress. The biggest head-scratcher for me was our lead story in the LA Times on April 21st, saying the Trump administration says that California's mileage standards can put people's lives at risk, that the fuel-efficient cars are unsafe. The cars that are being sold today are cleaner and better made than they were in the last generation of motor vehicles. They're using some newer 
materials, some of which are more lightweight, but they're stronger. They're manufacturing the cars better than they used to. So the idea that they were going to be unsafe has to do with this somewhat cockamamie idea that was being promoted at one point, really by the, I'm sorry to say, the National Highway Transportation Safety people that said that they would, the cars would all be smaller. People would be buying smaller cars, and therefore they would be more at risk if they ran into a larger vehicle, that there'd be, instead of just maybe some damage to the car, there might be you know injury to the human being or losses of life. Well, again, people have been looking at this and collecting real-world data, and it's just not true. Another part of the Trump administration's argument is if you make these changes, cars will become too expensive, therefore Mm -hmm. people won't buy newer cars that have safety features, and that will endanger lives as well. This is an argument that goes back to the very beginning of pollution control programs. And I'm unfortunately old enough to remember back in the 70s when we first required the catalytic converters to be put on cars. And that was part of the argument was it was going to cost too much money for this benefit in air pollution, which the car companies didn't think was all that big of a problem to begin with. We persevered. The federal government ended up following in our footsteps a couple of years later. And it just turned out that While it's true that any piece of equipment you put on a car adds something to the purchase price, you're talking about maybe $100 or more on the cost of a many thousand dollar vehicle, which gets buried in the price of the car that you actually pay if you go to buy a car. But the other point which they failed to mention is that by putting the catalytic converters on the cars, they were able to retune the engines so that they ran more efficiently and actually had better performance. So you ended up with a car that had better pickup, had better mileage, and also was not polluting the air. That's, I think, a triple winner. Governor Jerry Brown is usually pretty temperate in his language, but he called Scott Pruitt an outlaw and said that this action is an outrage. States representing 140 million Americans are joining together to sue Outlaw Pruitt, not Administrator Pruitt, but Outlaw Pruitt. He's breaking the law. He's uh, flouting the Clean Air Act and the uh, legitimate needs and well-being of the American people. This is about health. It's about life and death. And uh, this character in Washington with his expensive uh, uh, travel tastes and his uh, funny little uh, redecorating plans that cost the American people all sorts of money is riding roughshod over the laws of this country and health of our people? Well, I think the governor is upset, and I am too, that we have as the administrator of EPA a person who fundamentally doesn't agree with the mission of the agency that he has been put in charge of. The fact is that step by step, bit by bit, he's looking to dismantle the structure that's been created over a 50-year period now that Americans have come to rely on. And it is deeply offensive to those of us who've been working in this area for so many years to see that happening. Is there a risk that any of this could derail California's greenhouse gas emission standards? California set a target for ourselves by legislation. And as far as I know, there's no political appetite for, for changing it. 
It's true that if the rest of the country were to go backwards to a greater degree than they are today, that we would be so out of whack with our neighbors and other states that we we travel to and that send people here. It could make it much more difficult for California to move ahead on our program. But in fact, what we're seeing is the opposite, that When Trump announced that he was going to pull the United States out of the Paris Accord that committed 193 countries to all be working to reduce our emissions of greenhouse gases, the president says, we're not going to be a part of this anymore. States and cities stepped up and said, well, we're still going to pursue those goals anyway. So it turns out that although California is a leader in terms of having set a legislative target and having worked on this effort, you know, now going back to to Governor Schwarzenegger's administration, that many other states and hundreds of cities are all joined with us in agreeing that we want to try to achieve these targets. Does Scott Pruitt, does his agency have the authority unilaterally to revoke California's right to set its own emission standards? We strongly believe that we have the right to the waiver that we already have received in the past and to future waivers as long as we meet the tests that were laid out in the Clean Air Act and therefore that Administrator Pruitt and his group would not be able to roll back or revoke those standards. But If they try, and they may, then, of course, we'll have to go to court and test it. You tweeted to Scott Pruitt toward the end of April, call me. Has he? No. No, he hasn't. I've never met Scott Pruitt, so I don't know the man at all. I was attempting in that tweet, of course, to tweak him a little bit, see if I could get him to call me. He had testified in Congress just, I believe, the day before that he was engaged in a diplomacy and a very deliberate effort with the state of California to see if we couldn't resolve our differences over what the standards for vehicle emissions should be going forward. And I was making the point in what I hoped was a humorous way that that was just not true. What happens next? Well, we have had several meetings with representatives of the Trump administration in which we've agreed that they would share data with us and that we would sit down and talk about whether there was a way that they could achieve what they believe is um, important in terms of giving some relief to the auto companies and still do it in a way that didn't sacrifice the progress that we've worked for and fought for over the years that's already locked into the existing standards through 2025, but that just hasn't happened yet. That's another interesting question is whether the public cares about this issue. Do people pay attention? It's often argued that people don't really buy cars based on fuel economy. And of course, when the price of gasoline is cheap, people probably pay a little bit less attention to the miles per gallon that's listed on the sticker. And the sales of SUVs and trucks have gone up because the gasoline prices are comparatively low. That is true that people are buying more SUVs and more crossover vehicles and light trucks. But all of those vehicles, many instances, I should say, actually still achieve better fuel economy than they did even a couple of years ago because of the standards that were put into effect in the Obama administration. 
Ford's biggest best-selling vehicle, which is an F-150 pickup truck, meets the standards through 2024 that are on the books today that the Trump administration wants to roll back. A customer who wants to buy one of these trucks can go in and get it and not only be driving something big and, you know, something that looks like it's on steroids, but can also do it and still get decent fuel economy. Take me riding in the car, car, take me riding in the car, car. Take you riding in my car, car, I'll take you riding in my car. Mary Nichols, the chair of the California Air Resources Board, thank you. Thank you. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Mike Heflin and Dave Wine. The music is from the Woody Guthrie Centennial Collection, and that's Queen on the EMI Electro label. The audio is from CNN, Bloomberg News, and Global News. Subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks and never miss a podcast. Engine, it goes, engine, it goes, front seat, back seat, boys and girls, take you riding in my car.